Welcome to Jack Velasco Podcast, where we break down HBO and BBC's Gentleman Jack and generally have a gay old time. I'm Carrie. And I'm Kelsey. And this week, since we're still deep, deep, deep in this hiatus, uh, but also mm-hmm. uh, a general hiatus from most things, but due to uh, <laughs> Miss Rona. <laughs> Life hiatus. Uh, <laughs> Um, hiatus from uh, work, life, social interactions, but then also like the film industry across across the U.S. and across uh, the globe is on hiatus. So, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we're not any closer to getting season two of Gentleman Jack. So in the meantime, we're. Yeah. In fact. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, in fact, it in fact it's been officially delayed. They were supposed to start uh, shooting in June, and they're now moved it to yeah. September. Um, they put out a post the other day, so we're officially delayed, yeah. guys. <laughs> Which means it's probably going to be like next summer until we get anything. But I mean, that's all for the greater good. Like we don't want anybody oh, to get for sure. sick. Um, social distancing, wash your hands, perfect vulnerable population. But also, they like film at a lot of historical sites and a lot of tourism historical sites, generally in museums, mm-hmm. especially. Definitely in New York and in big cities, but uh, also apparently I remember seeing the Instagram for, I don't know if it was Shibden Hall or whatever the the main museum over in uh, England is. They made a post about shuttering for the time being. Yeah. Yep. So it's on pause. Hopefully, you know, they'll be able to kick production back up in September and then we can get Gentleman Jack by next summer. Um, but everything's been delayed. I mean, every, that's not just Gentleman Jack. That's like every single show that was in production right now was being delayed. Um, yeah. Which sucks because both of us are in the industry to some extent. So it's always hard to see people you know. Um, it, that It's always hard to see people you know um, lose their jobs over something like this. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, we hope everybody's staying safe, washing their hands, social distancing. We're social distancing <laughs> right now. We're always social um, we're distancing. We're both quarantined in our apartments. Oh, I thought we're you meant from each other. We're always on this podcast because we live in two different cities. <laughs> I mean, yes, that too. Um, but we're also like quarantined in our like individual apartments. Um, so this is life. Uh, life from uh, <laughs> the, the apocalypse. Uh, this is Jack, the last podcast. Yeah, it's... Um... Also, oh, so yeah, <laughs> the thing I was trying to say earlier, while we are deep in the hiatus, we are here to bring you, um, I guess, kind of, kind of recaps, but what, what would you say, more commentary, just talking about uh, other queer content that we- Commentary, review, yeah. recap, yeah, we're, we want to spend time in this hiatus season, especially now that we have more time, both individually and then as like a Gentleman Jack community, um, working on like recapping historical dramas that focus on queer people. We want to do this. We want to do tipping the velvet. I really want to do portrait of a lady on fire. Whenever I can like watch it on like a streaming service. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen it's all not... the stuff on Instagram and Twitter. I've seen all the gifs. Ugh, it looks so good, uh, but it's not, you can't watch it over here. No, not yet. Or at least not. I'm sure you could have in New York City, but you couldn't watch it in Asheville. Oh, I thought um, you meant, so yeah, like in New York City released, it's been so. released, but I thought you meant for streaming, like how they released Emma. They just released it uh, early for yeah. Apple, uh, if you want to buy it. Yeah. Yeah, Apple TV. Um, which I think is smart. Yeah, no, I the, think they should uh, do that. Portrait of a Lady on Fire did not make its way to Asheville. No, I think they should release it on Apple stuff soon, because it's, I mean, a way to make 
money versus no money since it's no th- movie theaters are open <laughs> nationwide. So. Yeah. Yeah, a release portrait of a lady on fire, please. Uh, filmmakers that make it. Yes. Um, but we want to review films like that, like queer period dramas, um, while we're also waiting for Gentleman Jack, that we'll now have to wait probably, I would say, like three to four, potentially more extra months for it to, to hit our screens back on HBO. It's just going to make it that much sweeter, guys. The, it's just going to make it that much sweeter. When Gay it Girl premieres. Summer. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Gay Girl Summer 20, 2021. Uh, so, the movie that we're talking about this time is uh, the 2018 Oscar-winning, and worthily so, because it is amazing. Uh, wait, it didn't win. Did it win Best Picture? Wait, before I... No, no it I didn't. Think, it was nominated. Um, Flippin' Green Book did. Yes, that's... Oh, it was the Green Book year. That was the year Green How Book won. I, my brain blocked <laughs> yeah. that knowledge from myself. Anyway, we are watching and talking about... The Favorite by Yorgos Lathimos. Uh, I'm very sorry for what I did to this very yeah. nice Greek man's last name. Um, Previously of The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I've seen oh, neither of those seen, films, but um, I've heard they're good. One of his first big movies. What was it? Uh, it's Oh, Dogtooth, which I will never watch again. It is like a, almost a perfect movie, but it is... The most upsetting piece of cinema. On par, I would almost say, not as upsetting as I found Midsummer, but close. Oh, um, Midsummer. It is is genuinely a gorgeously shot movie, and it's basically about these like uh, these parents who have three adult children, two girls and a boy, uh, or men, two two women and a man, um, who are so hyper protective of keeping them from the outside world that like they don't want they don't let them know what brands exist they can only watch certain cassette and this is like in the early set in the early 2000s it's set like pretty close to present day um like they're watching cassette tapes of very specific things they are deliberately told the wrong meanings of words so that if they were to get out in the outside world they like couldn't survive but it's like it starts as this pretty like weird comedy and then it just gets darker and more upsetting and more and more terrifying as you see like the full extent of this level of abuse because they're like at one point they're at dinner and someone yeah. mentions like oh an uh an airplane and so and these are like people in their 20s they're like what's an airplane they're like oh an airplane is like i forget what the analogy they use in the movie but they say something to the effect of it's like oh it's like when you have like pepper with like a little too much salt or something or like you mix salt and pepper so it was like literally like nonsensical explanations for simple words because they don't want them to and they're like you can leave the house when your dog teeth come out so like uh your literal like canine teeth canine and there's a scene in it where small spoiler um the oldest daughter is just done with it and she's like i'm ready to be able to leave and she just takes a like a five pound hand weight smacks herself in the mouth with it to get her tooth to come out and i was like no that was the moment where i'm like i will never watch this movie again uh but it's so good it's uh, it's a great movie it, there's definitely some upsetting stuff in it so if you are sensitive to it, triggered by like certain I don't even want to describe it on here like uh, I would maybe I would maybe look at some content warnings before you see it but it's not like particularly gory 
but it's just like a level of intense like uh physical psychological abuse in certain regards that it it's insane but it's like a world it's a movie that's like the world is so completely thought through if that makes sense um and that's the thing that Mm -hmm. i think you see in a lot of his movies people say that about the lobster quite a bit which is on my list to watch during social uh distancing but also this movie like um Kelsey will get into more of the historical accuracy stuff in a bit, but you just feel in this world when you watch this movie. Like it's very lush, mm-hmm. like the, the everything from the production, well, definitely, and like just you you kind of innately understand what how Queen Anne's court runs. You know what I mean? As a viewer, mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean they really do. I love, like, nobody uses this that much in cinema, like, from a DP cinematographer perspective. But those, like, super wide-angle, like, almost fisheye lenses. Mm-hmm. Love that. Because it does have that kind of, like, a voyeuristic feel to it where you're just kind of, like, the, like, outside looking in um, feel to it. I just really loved, like, all the shots. That, I mean, there's definitely tight shots and stuff, but they use, like, wide shots a lot. And they're kind of underutilized in cinema, mm-hmm. I feel like, so... I really appreciated that. It's it definitely catches your eye like early on, and then also like the wardrobe and the costumes. Oh, it's just the costumes are unreal. It's so good, and the, the sound, the the score and stuff is really good too. That also like helps. The music is great. I love the music. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a really like perfectly executed film in my opinion. Like I, acting, I agree. cinematography, editing, sound, music. You know, Olivia Colman basically perfectly executed it got her oscar i love Olivia super Coleman. deserved um mm-hmm. rachel vice did not and that was very much just, she has an oscar for something else but yeah and she was in two lesbian movies in 2018 she was in um the favorite and um disobedience yeah. Which I loved that movie. It didn't get a lot of credit, but I love Disobedience. It has a lot of really beautiful, like, religious, like, themes and stuff in it. Oh, yeah. Um, That's on my list, too. But she was in two lesbian movies in 2018. 2018. She was out there representing hard. Oh, yeah. Real hard. Uh, also, she was in The Mummy, which is the the um, catalyst point, the awakening for a number of bisexual people that I know. To the point that I've apparently mentioned my attraction to Rachel Vice so much at, at my workplace. Like, we were talking about, like, queer awakenings uh, at my workplace. And someone was like, yeah, you do mention The Mummy and Rachel Vice quite a bit. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, she paved the way for my, uh, uh, for brunette, uh, dark-eyed women. Uh, she walked so my girlfriend could fly. Yeah. <laughs> so the favorite is set in queen anne's court in the late uh 18th century let me me triple check that uh late 17th late 1600s she died that's right okay uh this this movie might start no this movie might start in the 18th century that's that's what i was thinking because it seemed like the end of her life i think actually yeah because yeah she had had yeah so sorry uh, this movie starts in the beginning of the 18th century yeah. um and you can very much tell in terms of like the fashion is like ridiculous yeah. and amazing um but yeah so basically it's queen Anne's court and she is kind of she is what we what we get from this movie which i don't know i question the historical accuracy of this she's kind of nominally in charge with um 
Rachel Weiss, <laughs> um, who is her, I don't know what her exact title is, but she is basically her right hand and executor of pretty, and her husband, yeah, she her and her the... husband, Rachel Weiss and um, Mark Gaddis. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to remember his character name, husband. but I was like, I'm just going to call these people by their, the, the acting <laughs> names. Yeah. Mark Gaddis, AKA, um, What's Sherlock's brother's name? Damn. Um, Mycroft. Gosh. Mycroft. Mycroft Holmes. Um, it's he's he plays uh, Lord Churchill. Um, so yeah, so Sarah Churchill was had several titles in uh, Queen Anne's like household. She was keeper of the privy purse. She was a uh, ranger of Windsor Great Park. She was the only woman to ever be that. And she was also mistress of the robes, which is the highest office in the royal court that could be held by a woman. Groom of the stool, uh, the first of only two women ever. Um, so basically she was like her right-hand man, right-hand woman. Yeah. Um, and they were had been friends since she were, they were teenagers. Uh, friends and what else, Kelsey? Friends. Well, on the movie, friends in, with benefits, and in reality, probably not so much because they're both very devoted to their husbands independently. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, well, unfortunately, that probably wasn't true. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's some historians that think so. It's it's kind of like split. There's some historians that think something did happen between them. There's a um, historians that think something did happen between them um because one of the things that made like sarah churchill and queen anne's relationship dissolve was her accusation that her and abigail masham um had a lesbian affair and like sarah churchill found like lesbianism like disgusting which you know you can also protest too much and like be covering you know we, we know we know how psychology works um yeah <laughs> and then also like female relationships and like sexual female relationships were viewed a little bit differently back then so it's really that's why it's kind of like it's kind of up to you, um, but technically, like, there's historians that believe firmly they did have a relationship, and uh, historians that believe firmly that they did not have a relationship. So it's really, it's kind of like up to you, but in this movie, for the sake of this, they had a relationship that was sexual probably since they were teenagers. They're both well, it's married, also, and Queen Anne was still married in this, but they just leave, they just write Prince George out of this, like, movie. Uh, but she was married. I thought he had died. Okay, he wasn't dead yet. He died before her, but... No, he was still, and if you're going by this film, like an actuality, he was still hmm. alive. Um, now, by the end of the film, he would have been dead, but but for at least the beginning part, he probably would have still been alive. They just wrote him out. As you can tell, they don't really treat men. They like leave men out of <laughs> this movie, which is why it got a lot of criticism and why, why I didn't get That's why I really enjoyed picture, it. Because men were pissed like, <laughs> that they weren't like a prominent character. There's no male leading characters in this movie. Well, I will say another thing, like historically that we know, the easiest dig if the the two easiest digs at women with power historically that you know that men would throw at women are one a witch or two a lesbian <laughs> or like the two accusations that like were the the go-to smear campaigns uh, for men in history for power yeah and women. that was also for Stuart kings because king james you know K- kjv was rumored to be gay and like he was definitely bisexual that's were, i think a historical um, thing that has definitely been proven yeah like, he definitely had a lot of but that's something that kind of like plagued Stuart monarchs were like these accusations of homosexuality yeah. which you know whether true or not um we don't know like i said it's really up for historical there's historians will tell you yes no historians that tell you no so it's really up to you what you want to believe 
I picked the gay stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, me too. But yeah. Uh, as somebody loves anyway. history too, I like, I have to respect both sides of it. So basically, uh, the main action of the story is there is, uh, they're, you know, in a campaign against France, I believe. Um, I mean, Spain perpetually. It's the war of Spanish, Spanish succession. succession. JK, not France mm-hmm. at all. Um, but basically, uh, things are fine-ish, except the, qu- the queen has pretty severe gout um, and is generally all over the place. Not quite mad. Um, and that's a historical thing, too, where they, they her sanity is um, called into question a number of times. Um, but she's functional and she, she can, you know, be mm-hmm. kind of propped up and basically... The nature of the relationship is like Sarah would be like, this is a thing that is happening. You will come into Parliament, say this and that, and then, you know, just sign off on this. And she's basically like, cool, great. Is the nature of the relationship yeah. in this film? Again, historically, well, you have to realize, we don't know. Or yeah, I don't and know. you have to realize, too, it's important to mention. Yeah, it's important to mention that Sarah Churchill was a Whig. Uh, the Queen was a Tory. So that's your two political parties at the time. Mm. Um, they both had like. Sarah Churchill was very like passionately a Whig and really wanted to bring Queen Anne over to her way of thinking. But because the Tory party was more about like royalty in the Anglican church, Queen Anne had to kind of side with the Tories to be like the monarch. Yeah. So there was also a lot, and you get this in the movie with that Lord Harley and like, that's kind of like this background thing, this power struggle. So she's always pulling for the Whigs and Anne's always pulling for the Tories. And it kind of like, you kind of start to see this movie starts with their relationship starting to kind of like fray fracture a little yeah. bit because of this war and like her husband's in the war and he's like the leader of the army and if like this war goes good you know it's just kind of like a traditional power struggle but um yeah and things really kick off when abigail hill who is sarah's like distant um severely impoverished uh cousin is basically cousin. shows up at the castle she's basically kicked out of the and there's a very upsetting <laughs> character introduction, not for her so much, but she's in this like overpacked carriage that's like jostling along, and I was like, "This is my hell." Um, a guy is definitely like feeling himself uh, up, d- staring directly at her, and then eventually they're like, "Yeah, this You're movie," here. like, and then they kick her out. This movie paints like all men in like the worst light, which like honestly back then, oh yeah, I fair. mean. Um, the only man that's like not trash in this is like Marlboro. Yeah, basically, and <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, so pushes yeah. her out. She's like covered in like mud and like animal crap, and like shows up at the palace and is like, "Hey, I'm here to to ask for a job because my dad bid like sold me to pay his gambling debts." Um, and basically, Rachel Vice is like. Sure, girl, fine. You can work in the kitchen. Um, and is like, you know, putting lye on floors and doing things that are well beneath the station that she was, like, born into. Or basically her family gambled its way into debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically she yeah. – there's a scene where Queen Anne is, like, moaning and screaming in bed at night because, like, how severe her gout was. Which is, I think, a thing historically accurate for how she – definitely uh would have had gout which was not an uncommon thing for people of this class of this time from just having an overly rich Mm -hmm. diet um and so basically abigail runs into the woods and like 
gets some herbs and like puts it on her like kind of without uh when <laughs> i keep wanting to call her rachel vice uh sarah uh, <laughs> when sarah is like away and um you know it actually helps and to the point and rachel like rachel vice is not rachel vice oh my gosh sarah Church, i'm looking right at the name and i just keep going and then rachel vice does this and rachel vice does that sarah Church, <laughs> like, sends her out to be whipped and then the queen basically like stops it's like no 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 promote her like this actually like hurts my leg i want her to like come you know and tend to me to a certain degree um and so then basically we start to see the tension between abigail kind of like stumbles and so she's kind of the audience surrogate for a bit so we're starting to see for the first time like this is how the court is run and we and because she's like stuck alone in a room at like a ball which the ball scene is amazing and I love it. Um, yeah. The there is a point where, and this is the scene they kept using. I'll never forget during that Oscar ceremony to introduce all the actors. They're like, um, nominate the nominees are the favorite, and it would just be this scene, and it's like this all gold and black and white. Um, everyone is like dressed in these colors, and the the room is shot so gorgeously, like it looks it looks like it is shot in candlelight, um, which obviously it can't be because you wouldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's at one point almost a soul train line <laughs> with these people in these like 18th century powdered <laughs> wigs <laughs> dropping it low. And at one point they've picked up the, the person that Rachel Vice is dancing with picks her up and she's basically sideways being flung around <laughs> until Olivia Coleman is like enough. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is happening here? That was like the scene that like, I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this movie. That was da, da, so da. Good. And I got to this scene. I'm like, oh, this is insane, even with context. And I love it. Um, this is the yeah. one my roommate who was just like kind of coming in and out um, at first saw the scene and was like, she just sat there and just watched the rest of the movie because <laughs> she just like could not believe her eyes because it just got crazier and crazier. Um but then for the first time, we see the queen being pretty severely jealous of Sarah. You know, and again, mm-hmm. as we've both discussed, they were both married at the time. Sarah seems genuinely, like, devoted to her husband to, in the few scenes that he is in before he heads to the war front for mm-hmm. the, the Spanish War. Um, she does seem to, like, care for his safety and well-being. And it does seem to be, like, a very much like an intellectual, like, a marriage of equals. We don't see, again, as we mentioned, Anne, Queen Anne's husband at all. But in that scene, you see her, like, supremely jealous for the first time to the point that she, like, in private, like, slaps her for dancing with someone else. Um, And then they go to Mm -hmm. a library and they go to Pound Town. And Abigail, who is just, like, camping out there reading (laughs) or something, she's like, oh, no, I am seeing something I definitely should not be seeing. How do I get out of here? Uh, Luckily, they're both uh, otherwise occupied. Um, but then she kind of like knows the secret. I think at one point she tries to, oh, and the next thing they're, they're hunting or they're, they're basically skeet shooting, right? They're like releasing. Yeah, basically. But it's like, they're actually shooting though, though. They're actually shooting. They actually are shooting. What is is the skeet then? Is that not an actual animal? It's, uh, (laughs) the plastic disc. Oh, it is plastic. That's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) I don't believe in any activity that has anything to do with guns. So I'm like, that's not for me. That's not my ministry. But basically, um, uh, I almost called her Abigail Breslin and I know that's not right. 
That's not even the actor's name. Uh, I promise you this is only ginger ale in this cup. Yeah. Um, uh, Abigail basically implies like, hey, I'm good at keeping secrets. Like the secret that you're like boinking the queen and Rachel Weisz shoots blanks like straight into her stomach. It was like, so what are you talking about? What? Couldn't hear you. Um, And then she, I think she, she, Oh, no, no. And then uh, Nicholas Holt, who plays um, the leader of the opposition party, who has his own motives and Harley. is trying to get Rachel Weiss to fund, um, to fund, to double property taxes to start the to to continue to fund the war. And she's like, absolutely not. We're not doing that. Um, basically, it's like, I want you to spy on McQueen for me. It, the, spy on their relationship and see if you can influence the queen at all now that you're in the circle I can, you know, make things better mm-hmm. for you. And Emma Stone is like, well. Well, doesn't Lord Harley want to do the opposite? Because he wants out of the war, right? And they, Rachel Weiss, Rachel Weiss wants to double the taxes. Oh, he Harley argues against it. They sorry, want, sorry. Want out of I left the out war. a key word. Yeah, they want out of the yeah, war. Yeah, he does not want it to happen because yeah, he is a very rich man. Um, and Rachel Weiss is like, whatever. We're just going to attack you harder. What are you going to do about it? Deal with it. If the queen says it, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah. So then basically um, Sarah gets really busy with – She. I don't think she officially leaves court, but she's basically so otherwise occupied. Um, she is, yeah. She's gone for quite some while. Which that is true. She did lose. She did leave. Yeah, that whole thing's true. Like, the part where she got, like, absorbed with the war and, like, advanced in her husband's career so much that she neglected the queen. And she got more involved with Abigail. And also, too, it's good to, it's also, there's a good contrast here in, like, how different Abigail is with the queen than than Sarah is. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Sarah says, you look like a badger, which is, like, one of the best scenes. Oh, that's true. And she was like, you know, I'm honest with you because I love you. Wait, wait, set set up that scene. Well, they're in this, this scene... Yeah, so they're going to some, like, you know, parliament reading or something, something important, some official event, and uh, they roll Olivia Coleman out in her wheelchair, and she does look like a hot mess, and Rachel Rice is like, you look like a badger. <laughs> and well, it's like that's the, the makeup. scene where she gets up and she, like, yells at the, the, the like, boy. It's a scene from the trailer, like, are you looking at me? Look at me. Don't look at me. What are you doing? <laughs> well, it's like, it's the, like someone's, that it looks played. like someone's very first day with makeup. You know what I mean? It's like the blush is applied to, yeah. to the dead center <laughs> yeah. of the cheeks. And she's like, has so much powder on. It looks insane. And basically it is, it does. Yeah, you're right. It does kind of underscore like the huge difference in their relationship. Cause like, you know, as you said, they've had this relationship, you know, um, romantic and otherwise just a very close relationship for decades, plural. Um, and you know, this mm-hmm. is like, like so, like someone who is sitting there and like will give you the hard truth. And like you're being insane, you're not doing this right. You're gonna look foolish. I don't want you looking bad. I'm gonna give you tough love. Versus Abigail, who's very cloy and very much like plays to the queen's moods. And like her first, her first encounter with the queen was like I'm soothing Let's pain, cake and hot chocolate. Yeah, was like- was granted did like soothe her pain, but it's also like not challenging her in any way. Not asking any. It's very manipulative. It's very cloying. Um, whereas, but mm-hmm. also, you know, and as we see later, Ab, um, Sarah does 
do take too like take liberties that would otherwise like get you probably beheaded uh if you weren't the queen's best friend and lover like you know she does reallocate funds she does you know sign things off in the queen's name without even running it past her um versus abigail who doesn't do any of that but you know is so manipulative so openly manipulative to the queen Mm -hmm. um so basically, uh, then Abigail starts boinking the queen, too. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, I love the scene where <laughs> uh, Sarah's like, Sarah, the queen is being like rolled out. And basically she, oh, initially, um, Rachel Weiss tries to fire her, tries to fire <laughs> Emma Stone and is like, yeah. get out of here. You know, I know what you're doing. You're trying to replace me. You're trying to upstage me get out and then uh emma stone just basically takes a book and just smacks herself in the face until she's like (laughs) bleeding and she sits outside the queen's door and is just like weeping pathetically and basically tells the queen like a a complete lie like a complete stop story is like oh she dismissed me she accused me of of stealing and i didn't mean to i was just borrowing a book and i'm so sorry i did something wrong you know uh and this is after like um Sarah, like, walks in and, like, sees the two of them in bed together and, like, immediately puts two and two together. It's like, she's coming for my neck. She's coming for my job. Um, Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) (laughs) they're walking towards the carriage and uh, Sarah sees uh, Abigail, like, standing beside it. And she's like, I dismissed her. Excuse me. Like, fire her. And the queen's like, no, I like her. And she's like, you need to fire her. I'm not playing around with you. Fire her right now. And she's like... Oh, and there comes the best line of the whole movie. All right, do it. Do you want to do it? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, why won't you dismiss, dismiss? Well, I can't remember what she says, but basically, like, the conversation. She thinks she's, like, won the conversation. And Queen Anne's like, I like it when she puts her tongue inside. And me. she just like, climbs into her carriage, and I that- scream the first time I heard that line. <laughs> End scene. And I'm like. That was the last line of dialogue, and I was like, oh, man. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, and then basically at that point, uh, Abigail knows basically Sarah will stop at nothing to get rid of her. And so she basically roofies her tea. Yeah. So where, right before she goes out to, um, on a, like a horseback ride, when she looks amazing in this yeah. like all white, like riding mm-hmm. suit. It, I was just like, wow. <laughs> and this like tricorn cap. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically she falls and she's like knocked out and her horse is like dragging her. She basically is left for dead in the woods and then is like picked up at at a brothel. And so it takes like, Mm -hmm. and so she's basically left there for, we're led to believe a couple weeks recovering um, from like pretty severe injuries. But the horse comes back and basically the queen is like, I, you know, it's like, yeah, we had a fight, but you know, and occasionally she'll disappear for a little while, but it's been, it it goes on for so long. She gets like scared yeah, at first she thinks she's been abandoned, but then she's like, go find her. Like, this is this is too much even for her. And eventually, um, you know, she's basically ransomed out of uh, a brothel um, when people realize, like, how important she is. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Can we talk about... What? 
the I don't remember what part it is. Maybe you can refresh my memory. But that scene, like, I feel like also, too, Olivia Coleman is just like a mood. This whole movie, like when she stuffs her face with cake. Oh, she stuffs her face and, with cake at one point and then and, vomits and, it up. And then she. <laughs> and then yeah, keeps eating. like mood. And then. <laughs> and then um, when they're in that scene and she's like has to speak in front of parliament or something, she doesn't know what to say. And she just faints. <laughs> No, she yeah. just like fake faints so, to get out of situation. So basically, Nicholas Holt, who plays uh, Robert Harley, um, is basically because Rachel Vice isn't there. Um, oh no, 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 she is there, but they've been going back and forth for so long, and he's been using Abigail to like kind of get in her ear about the tax and everything. Um, he basically goes, "Oh, great! You know, it's so." great of the queen to not do the parliament chat you know parliament tax let's cheer for her and the queen was literally about to announce the parliament tax she's like i don't know what to do uh, and she just like yeah. collapses and i'm like genius <laughs> that is a big mood um but yeah. then also they don't mention it in the movie so i don't think it's canon in the movie universe but um in real life harley and abigail were also cousins she was cousins with Sarah That's and with Harley surprising. in real like, life. The, they don't. They don't think they ever. The nobility was all so closely. There's so many bloodlines that honestly, everyone was within like a certain degree of cousinship of yeah. everyone else. I think I just learned recently, all the wives of Henry the Eighth um, were cousins of each other. Technically, varying degrees of like, some were like first or second, and then some were like fifth mm-hmm. sixth seventh cousins because they all are descended from like the same yeah english family like even like catherine of aragon and anne of cleves yeah. and stuff like they're all descended i was like ew one ew two like what's well, uh, up well prince philip and queen elizabeth are like third cousins yeah man they have the same great-grandmother yeah yeah <laughs> so like, um, they actually like they that, did like, fall how- in love and stuff but I'm like, how did you find six women that you were, like, definitely, like, wildly distantly related to, but, like, the fact, I was like, that's just so crazy to me, in a fact, as a fact, as someone who did not know this. Um, but anyway, it's, so it's not super surprising that they're and all then also, here. And then also, Winston Churchill and... Because I was reading some stuff, but because there's a Churchill and because uh, she's Sarah right. Churchill. And then there was a Spencer that was like her daughter's like married name or something. Um, they both. And her name was like Lady Diana Spencer, which was Princess Diana's name before she married Prince Charles. Yeah. That's her descendant, too. So Winston Churchill and Princess Diana are both descended from Sarah Churchill. Fun that fact. is wild. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Read that today. Oh, man. I was doing my research. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So wait. Um, so oh yeah. So basically, Sarah comes back and goes to Queen Anne's like, get rid of Abigail, or I will share letters, really naughty gay letters that we have to each other and expose you. Um, <laughs> but then, which is like really terrible, is objectively terrible thing as a partner. But she does make a point that like, you know, Abigail doesn't love you. She just does. You know, she's just playing, she's playing you for things that she wants. And, she, and which is true, because we do yeah. see another scene beyond the one where she saved herself from being fired, where she's like, oh, I would love a husband. I'm so, oh, like, I'm so in love with um, 
this man at court, which, first of all, their flirting scene where they're in the woods and they're just, like, wrestling and, like, beating the shit out of each other. Um, her and her uh, love interest. I was like, what? <laughs> what yeah. are we doing? It was like, it's like, when he, he his name's Masham, too. That's her last name. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I can't remember his first name. Um, yeah, Wikipedia doesn't list his first name, but that's fine. Um, it's so, I, it's just like so manipulative where she's like been having this relationship with this guy and she's just like, oh, I would like to be, there. Oh, no, 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 because basically someone goes, uh, I think Nicholas Holt, she uses Nicholas Holt, like, I, look, I'll give you information if you help me arrange a very secure match. Because, like, you know, she, you can fall in and out of favor with the queen, but if I'm married, you know, I have protection yeah. at court, I have money. And um, yeah. Nicholas Holt basically puts it in her ear, and then Queen Anne, like, kind of presents it to her. She's like, oh, I could be married? I could, oh, I don't have a title. I can't, I'm not worthy of marrying him. And, like, Anne's like, I'll give you a title. Don't worry about it. Um, go for it. Um, and so, but the fact is like, oh, she's never asked me for anything. You know, she's like playing her like a fiddle, but, um, basically Mm -hmm. Sarah calls her on that. Queen Anne doesn't listen, just, but ultimately does dispose of the letters. Even though Anne is like, you know, get out of my sight. I don't, you're banished from court. Um, and Sarah tries to apologize, but it's very, uh. It's as humble as this character can make herself. When she's herself. trying to write the letters to her. Yes. Oh, they're both she's writing trying to letters. Write the letters yeah. And she's like, oh. she's like, you know, and she tries to write like three or four times and she just can't. she's like cussing her out. Um, but I'm like, that is, yeah, I like I feel like that felt like from a place where it's like trying to communicate with an ex where it ended very poorly. But at the same time, it's still someone you love. You know, what I mean, it's someone you love making a poor just not even an ex. Like, so yeah. like I was like. I don't know why I was going with that analogy. I can't relate to that. I don't communicate with the one only other person I've dated. Um, but the idea of like wanting to reconnect with a loved one, with someone you love, but who's making nothing but dumbass decisions. And like that, that felt real where it's yeah. like, you have to do a couple drafts of everything. So you don't sound like you're reading them for filth. Um, but yeah, so basically she's away from court at her own palace. Um, and then Abigail is promoted to basically, so apparently keeper of the privy pur- privy purse, which is basically Anne's personal finances, um, somewhat separate from the crown, yep. but also not quite. And basically shows that Sarah had been embezzling stuff, embezzling money to send to the front to execute things that Anne specifically did not want done. Um, and basically, yep. Anne exiles them from from. She and her husband from Britain, um, and that's kind of the end of that story. Um, and then Abigail just kind yeah. of Which, becomes very like a monster. She has nothing to fear anymore. She doesn't. She has no one. She's competing with for the queen's affection and attention, and she just and you see like this streak of cruelty in her that's like wild. Like uh, the the scene that yeah, where she like tries to kill that rabbit. So basically, uh, the rabbits, which I question the historical accuracy of this, but Queen Anne had a number of living children. The film portrays it. Yeah. 17. 17. No, no, no. (laughs) Well, 17 pregnancies. 17 pregnancies. One lived till they were 11. One lived till they were 11. A couple lived till they were like almost two, but like she was pregnant 17 times and lost 17 children. Yeah. Which is A couple. No, no, no. Didn't she have one or two live to succeed her? 
None no. of them lived. King George. No, none of them. She lost 17 children. Oh and then her distant, because of the Succession Act, where no Catholics could inherit the throne, they passed over 50 living relatives that could have been the throne to go all the way to Germany to the House of Hanover. And King George I came out of that. Um, they had to go to like some distant flipping cousin, like wow. 50 places, like the 51st person in line because the other 50 were Catholics and that can, it's not kosher. Cause see her dad, Queen Anne's dad remarried after her mother died and he married a Catholic woman and all their kids were Catholic, um, because he, he converted Catholic Catholicism like a little bit later in life mm. and she was Protestant. You can't have any Catholic Kings after the, the glorious revolution. You can't have any Catholic. That was kind of the rule anyway, but you really couldn't have them after that. And um, then none of the successors could be Catholics. So they had to go through 50 people. And the 51st person was King George the first of Hanover, sort of the house of Hanover, which get King George the second King George the third that we rebelled from. Mm-hmm. And then from King George the fifth, no, King George, like the th- whatever after that, uh, then Victoria came in and, you know, then we end up down the line to Queen Elizabeth. So, so, yeah, the House of Hanover is really where this modern family started, minus a couple little switchovers, yeah. but they're all basically related. Do you want to explain the rabbit Closer. situation? That was so sad. That was a yeah, heartbreaking so, scene. Yeah. Yeah, so she has like a bunch of rabbits, um, which this is not historically accurate. This was not true. But uh, Queen Anne had 17 uh, children. Most of them were still born. A couple lived till they were like two or three, and then one lived till he was 11 and died, um, the Duke of Gloucester. Um, and so she had a rabbit for each children that died. And um, the whole thing is like ab- uh, Sarah thought they were like gross and wouldn't mess with them. That's one of the initial reasons she grows to like Abigail is because she like plays with her rabbits. But it's just like it's a ploy to get to the thing because I was watching a video today on like explaining the ending of it. And Abigail's whole thing is, you know, she was sold because of gambling, mm-hmm. like lost because of a gambling thing, and then given to like a man as his like sex slave. Yeah. So she's like bound and determined to never go back to that again. So like you can understand her motivation. So she's going to do anything that she can't. And then for Mitch, because she's thinking, oh, she really does care about this person. But then at the end, like after Sarah's gone and like banished, um, you see that she's, you know, like throwing lavish parties, wearing expensive clothes. She tries to like kill the rabbit. One of the rabbits she like steps on and nearly kills. Um, and then there's that like awkward scene at the end where like um, she makes Abigail rub her leg, which rub her leg in this movie <laughs> means like sexual favor. Um, so and puts her in this like position of like subordination. So it's kind of like this really like um, like this end of the scene is, you know, it's her on her knees in front of the queen. And then they have that like overlay of the rabbits because it's just like these three like entities that are in like, that are in misery now, you know, they got what they wanted, but what they wanted is what they didn't really shouldn't have they, wanted. They just not what yeah. they needed. And it's very, yeah. sad. it's also like very poignant. Cause it's like this, you're seeing like basically a, like it's like an affair story, right? It's like the, if you think mm-hmm. of Sarah and, um, and as being wives, like this longtime couple that has like definitely, a, you know, a lot of problems, but at the same time, ultimately do love each yeah. other and res- and have a certain level of respect for each other and keeping, you know, accepting of each other's like quirks and flaws and things of that nature. And then you have like, you know, the, the young, the younger woman who just flatters the ego. Like if you would change the gender of if Anne were like, this is this is kind of. King Henry and his wives, right? If you if you switched, you made him yeah. like an older man, 
women competing, like this woman that's been by his side for however long. Um, but then also, which is by no means a perfect relationship. And there is a very obvious power imbalance as there is with a king. Um, but then also you have this much younger girl who flatters and says all the right things um, and, you know, takes you out of yourself a little bit, but doesn't require any of the hearts and doesn't pretend to be as smart as you are, you know, and just like flatters the mm-hmm. ego. Um, yeah. And it's like very sad where it's like this, you know, this thing, uh, this relationship falls apart to the point that her longest friend her 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 oldest uh, you know most devoted person in her life she banishes and then is stuck with this person and in that moment you see her realize for the first time how little like abigail actually cares for her um yeah Yeah. and you see her realize that in that moment and you just see like the misery all around and it yeah it's a phenomenal ending yeah, and they and historically they never like reconciled mm-hmm. either. Um, Queen Anne died. Um, they came back on the afternoon of her death. Uh, Marlborough and and Church, um, you know, and um, Sarah came back like the the day of her death. Um, and then she then um, George the first took over, and um, was like y'all are cool again. And because basically when they were like off in exile, they went to Germany because Lord Mar- Marlborough was like really, really popular over there for some reason because of his successes in the Spanish war. Yeah. He's um, a war so hero. They were like chilling in Germany. Yeah. So they kind of, yeah, they knew George of Hanover anyway. So when he came to po- power, when he came to be the king, they fell back into favor. Um, and then, you know, she, Sarah, Sarah Churchill was incredibly opinionated and blunt and very like had the attitude of quote unquote, a man of that time. So she even fell mm-hmm. in and out of like the, the, the consecutive like Kings and hit their wives and stuff, but that she pretty much kept like their place. Uh, she fell in and out of favor a few times, but she came back to light Abigail Masham after the queen died, went to live like a private life and nobody really heard from her again. Um, she just like left and like lived a private life and died. But just like, like was wealthier than, and then Sir Churchill went to she was like eighty four, which is like old back then. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean they all, they all kind of minded their own business, and Sarah Churchill was really once her husband died and she inherited all that stuff, she was like one of the richest women in England, if not the richest woman in England. By the time her husband died mm-hmm. and she inherited all that stuff, and she had some kids and stuff, but she still became like the head of the estate and she bought a bunch of property. She had like, this lady had a lot of money (laughs) and then had like a bunch of grandkids that married really well. So it started this whole dynasty, which led to, you know, Winston Churchill, the Spencers, Lady Diana Spencer, Mm -hmm. you know, Princess Diana, that's the same family, you know, that led, you know, three, 400 years later, um, into a very successful, like, um, dynasty, dynasty of like people. Yeah. So now that we've got, so yeah, I mean, it's historical. Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I did want to mention, too, that the horse thing, the poisoning her and her get dragon horse didn't happen. And I didn't think so. <laughs> the yeah, it didn't. And um, the the letters thing, does that really probably didn't happen? She did write a lot about the queen after. And that's where she kind of got her initial bad reputation as a queen for being like, you know, sickly and things was Sarah Churchill's memoirs about her. But then, you know, historians actually went back and actually looked at other accounts like, oh, she really wasn't this bad. She's actually a pretty, like, well-liked, powerful, smart queen. She just, like, 
she did let Sarah choose. Like I heard a video describe Sarah Churchill as Dick Cheney, and I was like, yes. Like if you know, I like, can the see Dick that. Cheney yeah. George W. Bush relationship, it was very similar. Sarah Churchill was like the Dick Cheney of that like monarchy. <laughs> And she was like telling her how to run the thing, but like retrospectively, Queen Anne was was a good was actually a really good queen. Like she, there was a lot of um, she she was responsible for the for bringing Scotland into Great Britain and forming Great Britain happened under her rule. There was a lot of economic growth during her time, so she was actually go back and look at what happened in the country and we in, in that time um, it actually was really good for England. And she actually retrospectively was a pretty decent queen. Um, even though she's kind of been erased from history, but she is responsible for Great Britain that happened under her rule, hmm. which is obviously still intact today, um, like 400, 300 years, 400 years later. Yeah. So, and I think... Yeah, uh, just a little bit of history for everybody, but... But it's also like the madness of Queen... Like, again, it's like a, a ruler whose policies you don't like historically, um, you know, exceptions for our current time, uh, our current time notwithstanding. The go-to is to be like, mm-hmm. this person is mad. And especially, like, if you were to take into the fact, like, the total of 17 miscarriages, stillborn, uh, child deaths, you know, like, that would take, that would affect a person's psyche. I can't imagine it wouldn't. You know what I mean? Or, like, their emotional stability, if not, yeah. like, their competent, you know, their ability to be a competent ruler or a well or a beloved ruler. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm like, so I think, yeah, I think to your point, I'm like, she accomplished a lot and was a benevolent and liked ruler. But I'm like, I think it's interesting um, that, cause like that, that is the thing when there are books like about quote unquote, how mad she was and trying to evaluate that. But also like, I can't imagine the amount of like trauma that this woman endured um, maybe she would oh, not be the easiest sure. person to manage or to work with. And I'm like, kind of fair because therapy did not exist at this time. Um, and also she had yeah. got, and again, she had a severe physical ailment said, I mean, that caused chronic pain with nothing to alleviate it. Yeah, there's a lot of theories about, because obviously for her to like miscarry and lose that many children, there was something obviously genetically wrong with her too. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. People to have 17 children that didn't live till adulthood. It, you know, notwithstanding the fact that it's, but they, I mean, they're also very rich, so you can't really blame like medicine either for the reason all seventeen. Well, you can blame se- like seventeenth century medicine and eighteenth century medicine, which was nothing. <laughs> which was, yeah, to an extent, but like yeah. seventeen, that's like a lot. Yeah. Um, so there, they say there's some theories on like what she might have had because we'll never know because you can't like examine her body. But um, yeah, there was obviously something wrong there. It, it's kind of a sad life but i mean she did i mean she in real life she did have a husband and they seem to have a very happy marriage for the most part mm. um and besides like the death of children um but and her and her and um sarah churchill were close like for the majority of their lives minus those last few years there um that they lost and just because like it's like you said kind of like that whole affair situation she had gotten tired of sarah's like honesty which is portrayed in the movie she kind of got tired of her like honesty and brutalness and um but that just showed how much she did care about her yeah but it was also the the undermining as well like she was like that i can't remember the quote but she was like it's like when they i think it's when they're arguing through the door or whatever um when she like first like told her to get out and she was like i can't what she's saying but she's like this is love that is love mm. like telling honesty is love i can't i wish i knew the quote but you know what i'm talking about yeah but like arguing through the the, the panel in the wall yeah it's in her like, final um, scene you know, their final time communicating basically saying in the honesty. Movie. yeah yeah 
Um, and they kind of, and I think uh, Anne does realize that in the last minutes of the film too, that like that is, that that's what she had, and she kind of let it go for this like romance. It's really not didn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's deeply superficial, and like you know. Um. So now that we've kind of worked our way through the plot stuff, do you want to talk about the gay stuff? <laughs> Of course. That was this was the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I personally thought their their relationship was super fascinating. Um, but also, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting and dicey. And I don't know. You've done a bit more research about homosexual how homosexuality was viewed at the time for women. Because like, and also, I think England in particular, um, there was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to call it there was like more leniency for female sexuality like not outside of marriage it was definitely not encouraged it was definitely not socially okay but you but women caught in the act were likely not to be hung you know what i mean versus or exiled as as yeah i mean they that's the whole thing even in gentleman jack which takes place you know like 120 years later after this um you know it's the same same concept there like it's not what two women do is not illegal that's why i think too i think that's why some some historians like think that something could have happened because it, it wasn't viewed in that way but then people are confused because sarah churchill accused her like openly of not openly but to her face and it's recorded that you know her having a lesbian relationship and some dude that was like a a Whig supporter wrote like some dirty poem about like Abigail and the queen mm. that was like published. So, I mean, it was like a common thing. And then the queen was also mad. That was also part of their falling out was her accusing her of that. And Anne was really upset um, that she would say such disgusting things about her. So who knows, mm. you know, you can look at history one way and think there was nothing going on or they just trying to deny it and cover it up. You, you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like the way this movie portrayed This movie wasn't trying to be historical. What it was doing is telling the relationship between three women yeah and kind of like a kind of like a a toxic love triangle that's what the story was about um it wasn't trying to be historically accurate it wasn't trying to be like some perfectly like historically accurate drama it was just trying to tell the relationship between these three historical women um the best they could with you know humor and drama etc etc um it gave us rachel vice's soft um, bush energy and that was wonderful (laughs) yeah you should watch, listen, you should watch Disobedience too because there's plenty of, that's, she kind of plays that like do, same dominating type character, like big dick energy type thing in uh, Disobedience. She's a little bit more like subtle and like, I guess, nicer in Disobedience, but it's the same type of like dynamic, I guess. Like Rachel McAdams plays like the, the, the little like sweet Jewish like housewife who's secretly gay. And Rachel Weiss is like the, the rebel Jew that moved to New York and like is a photographer, which I'm <laughs> like, that's it. so gay. <laughs> And it's like bisexual and like sleeps with a lot of people and you know, she comes back to her dad. It's a good movie. I mean, the, it has probably one of the best, probably the best lesbian sex scene I've ever seen. It's also really long too. Like it's, it's several minutes long. Oh, I thought you um, meant the movie was just really long. But this, no, 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 no. The love scene in the movie's long. <laughs> um, How would you write the love scenes in this movie? But yeah, I mean, are they pretty good? They're short. But the lines, though, like, um, kill me. And there's a really good um, Graham Norton clip of Olivia Coleman talking about how they shot 
that scene with her and Emma Stone where they're in the bed and she like crawl like you know moves her hand up mm-hmm. her leg and they like put a sponge there or something but so the Emma Stone would accidentally like touch Olivia Coleman's like actual because oh. <laughs> you can't see because they're in like the dark yeah. they put like a sponge there so she, when she did get there it wouldn't you know to keep to keep everybody's like dignity, but it's also I something guess. that you can so you can um, like know where your hand is where it's at its mark so you're not because like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> without like physically you uh, like, you know, like, assaulting your co-star yeah. on accident yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, i mean they were short and sweet i mean and then the the heterosexual like sex scenes are just so like oh, they're hilarious I love that she's just like they are on her funny. <laughs> on her wedding night was just like just talking and <laughs> he's just there and she's like it's so like they kind of play abigail i know that she is like the early player is is gay but she's definitely not interested in men like she seems to like be more into the stuff with the queen than she is with like I don't know about even, that. Like, that scene, the, the teasing scene in the forest where they're literally wrestling in a pile of leaves. She seems to be attracted to men. But I'm like, it does it does get into yeah. the, the evil they bisexual trope. Like, men are trash, though. Yeah. It was just kind of... I was like... Like, she finds him tiring. Yeah. I will say, I'm like, the evil bisexual trope is so annoying because it's pretty... It's pretty much everywhere. <laughs> but at the same time, like, in this one, I'm like, oh, these, this character is so juicy and so scrappy it's it's Mm -hmm. compelling to watch but also so the scene you're alluding to in the wedding night is like she marries this guy who's of like a certain high station and she's sitting there and she because um um rachel vice just came back from what she thought she'd killed her and she didn't and so now she's like (laughs) worried and so she's like he's like it's our wedding night and she's like yeah yeah okay and so she like sits in bed beside him and is like you know uh, giving him a hand job, like with increasing intensity, while she tries to solve this problem, and you see her like reach her like conclusion while he like finishes, and it's just so, f- it's very funny. <laughs> I'm like, this director is very has a very bizarre sense of humor, um, and it's but it's like yeah. very good. It's it, like the comic timing that he got out of like Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman with the like I like it when she puts her tongue inside me comment, but then also. Um, so many, oh, there are scenes, and I think some of this is somewhat based in history because, like, if you ever read things about like Tudor court traditions and games and stuff, it's all real weird. Um, there's a point where there's just like a very large <laughs> man in a wig getting pelted with tomatoes, but he's like into it and like laugh, and he's naked, just like a naked man being pelted yeah. with tomatoes yeah. by like the court by like Nicholas Holt and all the other like lords are just like gathered around and like th- and then that no- there's another scene where they have duck races where they literally just take ducks and they're running down yeah. the, the lengthy floors of this castle <laughs> and they're betting on them oh and at one point Queen Anne well, is like a whole lobster race scene with her they what because she was going to race to lobsters. Yeah. And then, because she had done something, she had done something with Abigail, and it it really pissed Rachel Vites off, and I can't remember what it was. And she comes in, she shoves up against the bed, and they were about to do it right then, but then um, the lady comes in with the lobsters. I was somebody was talking about that scene on Twitter, and, like, they were literally, she was about to, like, jealousy, like, F her, and they, um, that, that maid walked in real quick, because they, like, they were, like, about to, and then, um, if you watch it again, they like come apart like as soon as the door yeah. opens. 
because you think at first like, oh she's just pissed but no they were really like about to like yeah oh but also yeah. they, they, she's they, like we could race them and then eat them and i'm like honestly i'd be down <laughs> okay <laughs> i could party with queen anne <laughs> Yeah, they, um, it's, I, I want to say, like, um, one of the writers I follow, Jill Gutowitz, who's the reason, like, I found out about Gentleman Jack in the first place. She was saying, like, a lot of reasons why men had a problem with, like, the favorite. I say, I say men, like, you know, some men like to, but I'm Male saying, like, men. Hashtag. Yeah. Ha- hashtag men. Um, had a problem because it was, like, all, first of all, the men were made to look ridiculous in this film. Like their powder, I know the powdered wigs and stuff is historically accurate, but if you just look in the way they're dressed up, like the women in this movie all look like put together, but the men look crazy. Yeah, they they have they like do. the worst makeup, the puffy wigs, which I know is accurate to point, but they just made, they like pumped it up an extra level. And then two, it's like the difference between like straight sex in this and, and lesbian sex in it. The lesbian sex is more like dirty and real, and it's not like that sexy male gazy like lesbian stuff we normally get in yeah. movies. It's like just like screwing. This is, yeah. It's not trying to be sex. They're just like screwing, you know. Yeah. It's not trying to be like male gazy, and that's why probably a lot of men didn't like because it wasn't it wasn't appealing to them. It wasn't like you know your sexy lesbian like sex scene, yeah. like, like a more mainstream movie, I guess. It's not, like, sensual with, like, super low... I mean, we do have that one scene where... <laughs> I keep calling her Rachel Vice Walks in on <laughs> Emma Stone in bed. Or just Emma Stone is just, like, topless in the bed next to uh, Olivia Coleman, And mm-hmm. it's, like, a moment... And, like, it's not played sexually... Despite the very soft uh, and the very, like, warm golden light and everything. And everything else is in shadow. You can kind of see them... But it, I mean, obviously it's supposed to be, like, in her mind, just the intensity of that level of betrayal um, and seeing someone else in her yeah. place. Also, I think, too, wasn't that, that was the scene for, like, her husband was getting ready to leave. And she was like, why don't you stay with me? And I'm like, aka, why don't we have sex since you're about to leave and go to war? And he was like, no, I have to be with my men. And I think she was like, well, I'm just going to go, like, screw the queen. And she was on the way to do that, I think. And then she walks in. Yeah. And they're like already asleep and like Emma Stone's like naked. I think cause that's how I read that scene. Like she was going there to do that. And then she was. But also it's like the intensity. She did she not see on. that coming. But then also it's, you know, but it's a scene yeah. of like a woman topless in bed. That is not even though the mm-hmm. way it's it shot is it's meant to be like in intense. It's soft lighting for like atmospheric lighting, but it's not meant to be romantic or sexy. It's just like the fact of the matter. This girl is asleep yeah. without clothes on. You know, but also, and it's also shot. Well, she's illuminating it. Literally, she's literally illuminating it with like with the, the candlelight. This thing's coming to light with literally like her candlelight. But also, yeah. it's like it's it's brilliant in the sense that also it's shot in such a way to be in the mind, and then we follow. And instead of like lingering on them in bed, we follow Rachel Vice as she walks through this perfectly dark tunnel, and you can only see her face, and you just see her like acting her ass off and just like in tears, like devastated. Yeah. And, like, you both get a sense for, like, yeah, she's she's nervous about her position, but also, like, betrayed. Like, again, it's like an affair. It's like walking in on your, you know, mm-hmm. partner with someone younger and, you know, that isn't you and that you haven't younger discussed. Younger and hotter. You know, know what I mean? Hotter's debatable. It was kind of hard to be ritualized. Emma Stone's hot, too, but it's kind of it's debatable. But it's the same thing. Yeah, but it's, it's, somebody, like, it's so different. Someone different, yeah. Yeah, it's because it doesn't I don't think it also doesn't make sense to Sarah. And I think this was true in real life. It didn't make sense to Sarah, like 
how are you falling for this? Like, it's it obvious. Like, why are you favoring this per- person that's so, like, against you? And that's where I guess, like, Anne's intelligence comes into question, you know, too. Because, like, how could you, like, be so stupid, I guess? It's kind of like Sarah's, like, whole mentality, both in the movie and in real life, too, from everything I've, you know. You can't, you can't. I mean, there's letters and stuff she she's written, but obviously back then they were very like it was very like unemotional writing. Yeah. Um, but you can just kind of pick up like you know probably how she felt, and she probably was like, like how how could you go from from me to this? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It yeah. All, all in all, I love this movie. It's very weird, but also oh, beautifully it's shot. It's one of my favorites, I think. Yeah, the music is fantastic. All It's truly a movie that was, like, very smartly and very lovingly crafted, and you also get the sense that, like... And also, I remember how these actors were all looking at each other when one of them was... when they would announce their nominations for the awards, and they just all looked so happy for each other. Mm-hmm. And just, like, it, it seemed like it was yeah, a very healthy Yeah, I think Olivia Coleman, it's the golden... Yeah, I think at the Golden Globes, when I think Olivia Coleman won Best Actress at the Golden Globes, too, for it, she called them, them uh, uh, Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone, her bitches. And I was like, yeah, Ugh, I love, like they I had love. a really fun time like making this movie. Yeah, She has the best acceptance speeches of anybody I've ever she seen. She really does. But, it, you know, and it says something, and it's interesting that a movie helmed by a man could be... Especially someone that has a that is very focused on the dynamics between women, um, you know, very outside of the male gaze, um, was made so so perfect. Like so, so the details feel right, and it feels believable, and it's so smart. You know what I mean? And like, there's mm-hmm. so much nuance there that you don't see in a lot of male filmmakers. Um, you know, or or writer. So the writing yeah. it was written. It was written by yeah, men. Did it for, by, I uh, wanted two people, by a man and a woman, to my knowledge. Um, well, yeah, helps. it was written by Deborah um, Davis and Tony. But still, McNamara. like he's a, he's Gross Lanthimos is an Artur. So yeah. he 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 um he he's like that means he's like every piece of him is in this movie. So I just I just got hired to direct this film. No, this is my movie. Yeah, I'm injected to every single step of its being made. Um, but he did a really good job making like a, a female based movie with like accurate depictions of queer sex and like accurate depictions of female relationships that didn't feel like snooty or gossipy or like sensationalized. Um, like I guess it's not historically accurate, but I don't think it was ever set out to be that way. It was no, even I think if you watch the trailer, yeah. it wasn't anything about like the history. The trailer is just like, here's these three women and here's their relationship set against this backdrop and you might not even realize who it's about until you watch the movie you just notice these three period women in this story because queen anne's like really this forgotten queen of like you know english history really everything's about henry the eighth and like crazy king george and queen victoria and maybe they'll throw william and mary in there who were her predecessors but like that's probably going to be about it and like Charlemagne, if you want to go that yeah. far back, but you know that's like old, 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 old. So, do you want to play F. Mary Kill with these characters? Yeah. All right, you go first. All right. So, F. Mary Kill. Is it just the three, the three, three yeah. main characters? That's pretty much it. I mean, Bryce is kind of like throwaway. Um, yeah, right. I'm like, I, who oh, else were you wanting to bring in, Kelsey? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna F 
No, it's, it's, it's who I'm flipping F and Mary. Like, I don't Same. know. I, that's the big one. Uh, all right. So F, Abigail, slash mm. Emma Stone. Mary, Rachel Veidt, slash Sarah Churchill. I'm about to kill Queen Anne. Just because, you know, I mean, I love Olivia Coleman, but I'm, you know. Yeah. I think I'm going to marry Rachel Vice. Huh. Yeah, I'm flopping in between. Like, I think I'm like, you know what? I can't, if we're, we're going by characters. We're not going by, I'm not, I'm not going by actors. So I'm like, Sarah Churchill, Mary, because um, she seems really smart and she managed to live to 84. So she's doing something right. Um, yeah. F the queen, hopefully do a good job and get like promoted at court and just like stand her good graces and kill it <laughs> and, uh, kill Abigail. She's not to be trusted. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. No tea, no shade in the actresses. Yeah. No, no. They're um, all. It's just some of my favorite. Women. Yeah. They're. Stellar. Like I love yeah, it. No, no. I, I'll watch anything with Olivia Coleman in it. I watch, I watch anything, anything with Rachel Vice. I like Emma Stone. Oh, she's talented um, as hell. But Rachel Vice like, is a, is a shoe in for me, and so is Olivia Coleman. Okay. Love The Crown. Love Fleabag. Haven't watched Broadchurch. I think I watched when it first came out, but I don't really remember what it was. Maybe about. now is the time for me to watch The Crown. I've never, kid. I've never um, watched any of it. Oh, I love it. Maybe now as you can tell, I love English history. I love. The monarchy. I, I'm a pretty progressive person, but I'm like pretty pro like the monarchy for my own personal reasons. And I'm not going to get into this podcast, but I love Queen Elizabeth is a personal hero hero of mine. So I just like oh, I love the crown. I think they're fascinating. Do you think we're going to get up to the Meghan Markle years? Uh, they're going to end Diana, after this right? season. Uh, so they're in season three, four. They're using season five. So basically, Olivia Coleman has one more mm. season. And then season five. Have you seen Harry Potter? Uh, which some some of the movies? Yeah. Have you seen the one where the, like the the main lady? Oh, Umbridge. Where, yeah, yeah. How does her name? She wears the Umbridge. So she's playing. Oh, she's yes. playing oh, Queen Elizabeth in the last season. I know that actor. Season. She's um she does a lot of West End. She's um a very big theater actor. Ugh, what's her name? So we'll get in we'll get into this, but I don't. I mean, I'd be really surprised because this show's been done pretty tastefully. Like I've heard that some of the storylines, some members of the Queen's household are pissed Imelda off about. Staunton. Like Prince Philip was mad about the. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, like I heard that he was pissed off about how he was portrayed. Like when there was an alleged affair going on with him, and I, I mean, he it's all like it's had all an like affair. it's are you told- kidding? Like this man has a hundred percent had a. Um. I don't know if I agree with that, just going off the story, but it was portrayed in the yeah. show that he might have, but the show never said it because it's never been proven. And I just think like, I mean, he was, he definitely was like a bit of a partier, but I think at the end of the day he did have his honor and he did really, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip did marry for love. Like she wasn't supposed to marry him. They didn't want him to. She had to fight to marry him. So like, I feel like they actually really do love each other. Um, it was his whole, my whole like historical, like theory of the Royals. Um, but um, oh crap, what was I saying? But yeah, anyway, so the crown's ending after season five, and Imelda Staunton is playing the queen, so that's like her older years. So I'm having a feeling because the next season Diana's coming, and I think in one of the scenes that they've shown, she's carrying like a young William. So they're going to go through like the Diana years, and I think the last season, honestly, is probably going to end, uh, probably, I would say like mid-2000s. 
So I don't think we're going to get, you know, Meghan Mark. I think that's too close. That is, yeah. Because all those stuff, we, we've been away from long enough. People have, people have, have, have like, analyzed Princess Diana and her death. Yeah. People have oh, analyzed you know she's a Princess musical. Margaret. You know there's a Princess Diana musical that was supposed to open on Broadway before the shutdown. I know a couple people who saw it. I heard something about that. We'll discuss it offline from some of the things that I've heard okay. uh, <laughs> from friends who have seen it. Um, there, they, there are some choices made. Um. Yeah, there's um, but we we know about Princess Diana. We know about um, Princess Margaret, and Princess Margaret is a is a key character. She dies in two thousand two along with the Queen Mother. So I really think the show's going to end like two thousand five ish, maybe like we meet Kate Middleton. Like I think that's about as far as we're going to get. Maybe we'll get like the like are we going to get Kate's marriage? But I feel like it's probably here's my thing. I, I think it's probably because like Meghan the Queen Markle Mother's playing a big Meghan deal. Markle. I, that is what I want from the crowd. I mean, listen. <laughs> Although, I have to say, I'm That's like, like the last scene. That would be so good. It's like, hi, I'm Megan, and you just actually get Megan Markle turn. <laughs> My mind would break. That's the last scene. It's just like her extending her... It's just her curtsying to the queen when she meets her for the first time, and then the end scene, that's the end of the show. Yeah. That's the last scene. Smash cut to black. <laughs> All right, guys, um, that's pretty much it for this episode. We've really enjoyed talking to you about The Favorite. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Um, hopefully, yeah, right now, I know it's we on spoiled HBO. the whole movie at this point. But you should still, you should still, you should still watch it because um, it's great. And it's definitely one you can watch multiple times. And hey, right now, most of us have nothing but time. So there's no excuse. Um, let us know what other like period um, dramas you want us to review. We have a list of stuff we're going through, but anything in particular, or you have a certain thought about the movie or something that you want to add to the conversation, you know, let us know. Hit us up on all of our social medias. Um, if you want to, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram at the Kelsey P. Jones. And you can follow Carrie. You can follow me at underscore I am living color on Twitter and at I am living color on Instagram. Cool. All right, y'all. We will see you next time. Don't know what we're talking about next time yet, but we'll let you know. And we'll be back soon, hopefully in another month with a brand new episode. Stay gay. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Jack the Last the Podcast is a That Hipster Kid production produced, edited, and narrated by Kelsey P. Jones and Carrie Kears. Music is by Epidemic Sound. <laughs>